Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Double Tap with myself, Daryl, and as always, Ian. I say very special, it's certainly going to be more of an Ian-led episode, I believe, based on what you've probably seen in the title and some very, very sad news that's hit Ian in the, the past week or so, and, and pretty much the entirety of a certain half of Liverpool as well. We are, of course, talking about the fact that Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp is set to step down from his role at the end of the season. Uh, he was quoted as saying he is running out of energy. Jurgen Klopp has been at Liverpool since 2015. And, of course, there's a lot to talk about here. Um, without further ado, Ian, how are you feeling? I had to pour myself some drinks. I'm on my third one just to be able to even talk about this. Um, there'll never be a more sombre podcast from me about this. I, c- I can assure you that. You can probably tell them the my voice. The way I found out, so Friday, I'm at work. I'm happy. I'm going out with leaving drinks with my former colleagues, including yourself. I'm excited. And one of the other Liverpool fans in the office comes over to me. His exact words are, how's your Friday, Ian? I'm like, pretty good so far. Uh, Josh, going well. Just flashes his phone round and shows me, like, BBC breaking news, clock to leave. And I'm like, you're fucking joking. You're like, it looked photoshopped. I'm like, you're fucking joking, aren't you? He's like, no, no, he's released a video. I didn't know what to say. I literally felt like someone had kicked me in the, in the stomach. My first thought was to text my Mrs. Claire, which probably wasn't the best person or to get the most sympathy. I told her what had happened and I said to her, and she keeps winding me up about it, I feel like somebody's died. I did not take it well and I'm still, to, I still, I'm struggling with it, to be honest with you. Um, the slightly positive angle is it seems to have galvanised the team. Fantastic result. Liverpool played amazing last night against Chelsea to win 4-1. And I feel like there's an extra impetus for the team than there was to say, let's fucking do this for Jürgen. So there's a there's a positive in it. But I, apart from Suarez leaving, I've never been so gutted about something in my whole life about football. Football's an interesting thing for people and sport in general is is very interesting for these exact moments because if you don't follow sport, if you don't support a team specifically, if you don't have something that you wake up on a you know on a Saturday morning, getting ready to check the results, getting ready to watch your match, um, you know, whether you actually go into the games, whether you you watching it on the TV, however you follow whatever team and whatever format that team is is involved with. Unless you do that, someone saying... In it's the, just the wider, a game. Exactly. In the wider I literally, teams, I'm waiting. No one said it to me yet. If someone said it, I promise you I will knock them square out. Square <laughs> out. No questions asked. If that's at work and I get fired, I'll do it. That's how if, if someone comes to you without, again, without the the sort of heartache and the impetus that we have of these types of sports and said oh do you know someone's leaving the job from that company you'd be like oh that's a bit sad you know I, I hope they go on to do something fantastically uh, but it isn't the same and you do get these feelings and saying someone it's like someone dying is 
a lot of people have said that about Liverpool and, and Jurgen Klopp and some people said that about Bielsa when he left Leeds, for example. And that's it's probably the closest I've had to that in my lifetime of uh, an affiliation with a manager in, in supporting my team. But it it's such a strange loss and it is like losing a family member. You've come to know this individual who has brought you great happiness over a prolonged period of time. And, and as we say, Jurgen Klopp's been at Liverpool since 2015. So this is his ninth year being at the team and in his ninth year he's decided that he can't do it anymore for whatever reason and obviously we're speculating a little bit and we won't go into the reasons that he's not continuing anymore me and you I think were slightly concerned with the nature of the interview that he had an underlying condition and hopefully that that is yeah um, the energy point the fact that he undoubtedly loves the team and, and and the club Everything has an end date, and I get that. But my my concern, and as much as I'm gutted about that, but my concern is he's suffering from some kind of health issue that would, you know, God forbid it's cancer or something like that. But even if it was something less serious and he's decided, I don't need this stress anymore, I need to spend time with my family. For what he's given us, I, I can't hold it against the man, but... There's a lot of conspiracy theories going around at the moment. Maybe he's just at the end of an era, but I don't feel, I keep hearing, that the thing that I'm getting really annoyed with, if I'm honest, is I keep hearing the fact of, oh, Liverpool are going to be like Man U and go after Fergie left and go into a nosedive. No, they're not, because he, Fergie got out at the time when he knew that squad was dog shit. Klopp has refreshed and reinvigorated that squad and is leaving a fantastic squad for somebody to take over. So is there going to be a dip? No doubt, because Klopp is one of the top two managers in the world, if you ask me, after Pep. So we can't physically get someone as good as him. But if if someone is saying to me that they, they realistically think we're going to drop into the wilderness like Man U did, I think they're being ridiculous. Well, what I would say about that, because it's one of the points that I've got down in, and we'll we'll skip over just to approach that point now. The the only comparison Liverpool have had in their history for me, and you can obviously correct me if I'm wrong, you're a, a lifelong Liverpool supporter and you'll know more about the feeling of the club in general. But the only real comparison I can see is, well, Bill Shankly left in 1974. Uh, he left his team in a position of strength, and he stepped down. Everyone was very sad about it. Clearly a, a managerial legend at that club and always will be. Uh, I think they just won the FA Cup in that season when he did step down. The difference that you've got is at the time that Bill Shankly stepped down, Bob Paisley was the natural successor who was in place and continue there. And obviously he was very reluctant to take over at the time, but he made that transition seamless. He elevated the club to great heights. And the trophies and the history is it's there for everyone to see up until I think Kenny Dalglish left in 1991. You're approaching in this summer for the first time in many a year a completely clean slate, and I think that's where the comparisons to to Manchester United uh, after Fergie to uh, Arsenal after Wenger come from, because you, you're losing a legendary manager who will go down in your history forever, uh, regardless of the talent that's been left for the next person, which, again, we'll come on to in just a short while. But 
you're losing all the backroom staff. I know Linders, I think, is leaving as well, who some people had said was a potential replacement, which obviously we don't think that. Um, Salah is 32 in June, which we might see the Saudis come back in for him and he might go for that big money as he, he probably deserves. Van Dijk is 33, who he's been fantastic this season. He's, he's sort of come back to what we remember Van Dijk being, you know, despite the, the sort of terrible season he had last year. But he is 33, and there were some weird comments that he made that I know he's come out and clarified since about, well, we'll see what happens in summer. And he said, no, no, it's not meant to be taken like that, and it's been blown out of proportion. But there is the chance that this goes significantly wrong. Now, I think that you're in a better position than Manchester United were post-Fergie, and you say rightfully Fergie got out at the right time, and I think a lot of people will agree with that. But you are at a significant period for Liverpool Football Club, where it can go either way. You could have Xavi Alonso come in, and we'll come on to that in a second, and he could elevate you even further. And it could be a matter of, you know, not just Nailies or Hasbis uh, or just getting a, a trophy in every season or a cup. You could go on to much more than that. But you could also do what those two teams did. I don't and think it, is there. Whoever comes in can't better club. I think you've got to accept that the standard that he's set and we'll come on to some stats that I've got here, that we're not, we can't better that. Unless we've got Pep, we can't better that. So whatever we're getting is a downgrade. Now, whether that is a shorter term downgrade and every Liverpool fan I know, every person, I don't know a single Liverpool fan that isn't all in on Alonso to be the next manager. We'll come on to that in a bit because his style of play is quite different and that that could cause some issues. But, the funny thing is, you mentioned about Shankly, who is renowned as probably folklore-wise, maybe the greatest Liverpool manager of all time. If you look at his win percentage, he's not even in the top five. Paisley, who, as, as you quite rightly pointed out, followed him, is number three with a, a win percentage of 57.4%. Jurgen Klopp currently and unless he fucks up significantly till the end of the season, will end as Liverpool's most successful manager ever, currently with 466 games, 283 wins, 105 draws and 78 losses with a win percentage of 67%. So if you look at stats alone, he's Liverpool's best ever manager. So you can't better that. So I think, again, there has to be a level of expectation set that we're going to dip. There will be a dip. And that's to be expected when you lose one of the top two managers, in my opinion, in the world. You can't you can't replace that. So where for you, you mentioned there, where does he, from a personal standpoint, I'm not talking about statistics-wise, and I appreciate, obviously, you haven't lived through every single one of these managers. I know you're about 90 this year. Um, but you haven't lived through every single Jeez, one of those managers. Where does Klopp... 42 in a Klopp? few days. is <laughs> the greatest. Win percentage, personality, ability to motivate the team, connection with the fans. He's undoubtedly the best manager in, in my lifetime. The only other person that comes remotely close is Rafa Benitez. Um, his win percentage was was 55.4.5. 0.4%, so not that much different. 
but the brand of football was appalling. We relied on Gerard and Torres, effectively, to run that team for the majority. Obviously, the, we had Mascheranos, we had Xavi Alonso's, we had, had other players around that. But he is undoubtedly, in my lifetime, the greatest manager of Liverpool. And I personally think he will go down. The only one that's even in, in the equation is Kenny Dalglish. And that's, a, and that's more based on the heart of the fact that he was a player as well. But if you look at pure manager-wise, I think he's the greatest Liverpool manager of all time. Interesting. So you think he ranks higher than, for example, you Clare and uh, you Paisley then? Yeah. Bob Paisley's win percentage was 57.4%. Klopp's is 60.7%. So... Stat, I know there's, there's more than just stats and you, stats don't always tell the right story, but the connection with the, fan, with the fans, with the community, the way that he brings the best out of players. I mean, look at Connor Bradley, some young kid that was on loan at Bolton last season no one had ever heard of. He looks like a fucking well, a world-class right-back. In his last five games, he scored a goal and four assists. And is making Trent look stupid, keeping Trent on the bench because he can defend better than Trent. He, the way he develops players and gives them a chance to come through, but integrates that with established players he knows who can do the business like your Van Dykes, like your Allisons. His transfer policy, his tactics, all round for me, he will go down as the, unless, again, obviously, this is a moment in time, there is the future. But he's the greatest Liverpool manager of all time for me. Well, you talked about Conor Bradley and you talked about the Chelsea match very, very briefly. And with that win over Chelsea this week, he recorded his 200th Premier League win of his Liverpool career. Um, obviously, he's reached that figure in just 318 games, which is, is, is very, very respectable. And more so... and just in terms of the point that I'm making, he's become the second fastest manager to rack up a double century of victories in the Premier League history, um, sitting behind only Pep Guardiola, who's on 2.69, which we know how good Pep Guardiola's been. He's reached the tally faster than uh, Alex Ferguson, who did it in 322 games. He did it faster than Jose Mourinho, who did it in 326 games. And he did it faster than Arsene Wenger, who sits fifth on that list. And it took him 332 games. So my question for you, and in, if you can, the least biased way possible, does he leave as a Premier League legend? Where does he rank in all-time Premier League managers? And why? Purely from those stats alone, you cannot argue that he's not going to live as a Premier League legend, managerial-wise. He, as much as it pains me to say, those stats paint a particular picture in certain ways. Is he a better manager than Ferguson? Probably not, because Ferguson won more. Wenger won more. But what you've got to look at is the unfortunate timing of Liverpool that I think we've got the three highest points tallies ever that haven't won the Premier League. If we did, if Man City weren't Man City and with Pep at the time, Klopp could easily have four, have five titles in nine seasons instead of one. If you had this year, it could be six. So the 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 the, the 
opposition he's been up against has made that a lot harder. Um, he's undoubtedly a legend. He has to go down in the top five managers ever. Where in that top five is is arguable? Because as you say, trophy-wise, he's not close to Ferguson. You know, he's not close to Pep. It pains me to say it, but they would probably be ranked higher. And I, if I'm trying to take my bias view out of it, I can't really argue with that. But I think for anyone to argue he's not a let in the top five ever is is crazy. Given those stats that you said, given what he's achieved, I mean, I've got we could be here forever, but I've got a whole host of stats that I can give you just in terms of backing some of that up. So he's got the most Premier League wins in a season ever, 32 matching Man City. So better than Ferguson or Wenger ever did that, even in the Invincibles. He's got the most consecutive Premier League wins ever, 18 in a row matching Man City. The most Premier League home wins in a season, 18. And if you think you only play 19 games in a season, that's winning every home game bar one. He's got the most consecutive Premier League home wins in a row, 24, more than Pep, Ferguson, any of the others. Um, in terms of uh, wins, we've got matches of the... Uh, he, uh, we, we had a 9-0 against Bournemouth, which matches the two other... Man U had two 9-0 wins, but matches the biggest Premier League home win ever. And he's also the, got the most Premier League points in the season ever without winning a title, which is 97 and I'm pretty sure it's some ridiculous that I haven't got this in front of me, but that 97 points in something like the 30 years the Premier League's been going would be, have been good enough to win you the title 26 years out of the 30. So you've got to, you've got to look at the unfortunate period of time that he was up against um, Pep and. You know, Pep is a legend in himself, um, but those stats alone, I mean, again, you, 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 by all means, argue against me and tell me that he's not in the top five managers ever. In the Premier League? No, yeah. I can't. I can't argue against that. And this is me who I tend to rib you quite often in terms of your overinflated uh, opinion, should we say, of Liverpool and of Klopp and of everything that they do. But if we look at the base of the facts, for me, I don't think success is necessarily something that you can measure on trophies. I think that when it comes to football, certainly there are ways to measure whether you've succeeded and it isn't always the people who are at the top of the pile. Pep Guardiola is a fantastic manager who will go down as one of the legends of, of the Premier League era, if not beyond. But he's also had a silly amount of, of wealth to back him consistently further and, and in more um, volume than we've seen ever in the Premier League. He, if he wants a new right wing back, here's 50 million, here's a new right wing back. So that's why he's expected to win things and that's why he will win things. Jurgen Klopp, when he took over Liverpool, I remember, and you'll remember this clearly, I remember in 2015, 
Liverpool's reputation was of an absolute and utter joke. They were a punchline, essentially, for the majority of the country. Um, their reputation was was lower than Klopp's. I think Klopp as a manager at that point, with what he'd done with Dortmund, him stepping into those shoes, even though a lot of people ridiculed that move, and I remember uh, there was that Sky Sports um, post conversation that they had with a few of the pundits and they were like oh these are the favorites this is it's Klopp that's going to come in and I think a lot of people were like oh I'm not sure that's the right move he stepped into a team that your average attendance at Anfield was roughly around the same of Sunderland's at the Sunderland of Light he inherited a squad that contained Stephen Corker Joe Allen um, Markovic he rebuilt that squad with backing and there's no argument from either of us on that but he would then go on to win the Champions League in four years. He then rebuilt it again. He won the Premier League title that fans had convinced themselves for 30 years. You're never going to get this back. You're never going to win this. We're we're cursed. It's not going to happen. And Klopp will always be remembered for that. And he will never, ever be forgotten in the Premier League era. Not by Liverpool fans and not by anyone else. Yeah, and, and, and he did it all with a smile on his face. You know, I know Mourinho, when he first came in, uh, had, you know, the special one. I don't know if you remember when Klopp came in, they asked him what he would describe himself as. He said the normal one. You know, he, he, he's he got no ego. He might have a new set of teeth like a fucking racehorse and those gnashes. <laughs> that, uh, but he, his passion for the game, his humility, um, and to be honest with you, as much as, you might well disagree with me here. I actually think him alone made a lot of non-Liverpool fans and people that disliked Liverpool like Liverpool because of his personality. He had, he, he's got an energy, he's got a, an aura about him that is just so likeable. You, he, he, to be fair, he has got a little bit shirtier and a little bit shittier in the last couple of seasons. I think that would be fair to say. That from from when he first started, and maybe that's the grind of the the nine years in charge of, on him. But he was such an upbeat manager, so smiley his personality that I remember people saying to me, "I used to hate Liverpool, but Klopp's such a personality that how can you not like him?" And therefore, by osmosis, if you like, not like Liverpool more because of his persona. So. It was also, it was very outspoken about personal matters, not just about football things. He would, I remember he spoke about Black Lives Matter and he was very much in support of that and he got a lot of fans for that. He's spoken about Brexit, which a lot of managers at the time shied away from. No one wants to get involved in politics ever, but he did. And he was very, very outspoken in the fact that he wanted a second referendum, that he thought that the country had been misled. And he's also been outspoken about things like food banks and how no one should ever be forced into feeling as though they can't provide for their own children and for their own family. So he has very likeable qualities. Me as a football fan, I've always felt that he was quite grating. And certainly in the last few years, as you've said, uh, there's this sort of... I don't think it's smugness. I don't think he's smug, but it's this weird mentality where he thinks that 
I think, and, and this is why he's got on with Liverpool fans, that it's everyone against Liverpool and it's Liverpool against the world. And that's why I think a lot of people are happy to get behind him in the trenches for that exact reason. And that's why he's a good manager. But from the outside looking in, that's irritating. And, you know, every manager that's ever done that is is irritating. Guardiola, uh, Ferguson, we've talked about Klopp, everyone like that. There's always this argument that they're not humble and they lack humility, but it's never really like that. It's just football rivalry. Um, for me, he will leave as a legend. But what were your your favourite Jurgen Klopp moments, Ian? So if you had to pick a list of the favourite things that you remember in this tenure, and we're not just talking about the trophies, but you can mention the trophies, of course. What would you pick out? I mean, it's, it's it's where I start. I mean, you've got I, I, again. Obviously, I did some 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 prep for this, given that I wanted to give it the due respect for for Jurgen um, that he deserved. So I, I, I'm looking at some articles where there are some moments that perhaps I don't recall quite as clearly, but I'm going to mention, and then I'm going to mention my own moments. So one of the first ones is winning 5-4 away at Norwich, January 2016. So this was three months into his tenure and kind of showed that togetherness that he'd already started to pull together. We conceded a 90-second minute equaliser at 4-all and then Adam Lallana scored a 95th minute winner. And this was, I don't know if, if you do recall this, where... All the players ran to Klopp and mobbed him so much so his glasses broke. Yeah, and I remember. That was that that was quite an iconic moment. One for me that will forever stick in my mind just because of the nature of it is Allison's header when we were looked down and out and we weren't going to make the Champions League. Uh I'm pretty sure I'm I'm not checking this, but we were away to West Brom. 90th minute, keeper comes up unheard of and plants not just a header a fucking amazing header like a strike any striker in the world would have been proud of that header that Alisson scored that day and you know everyone knows how lyrically I wax on about Alisson generally as a goalie that he's by far and away the best goalkeeper in the world for me and 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 is by a mile but that is the stuff of dreams have made of and of course was the springboard for us to secure the top four. Um, you can't not talk about the fact that we won the title, that, yes, it was COVID during that time. Did that have an impact with the, the lack of fans? And there, there's always going to be a slight asterisk over that, unfortunately, which is really unfortunate because of how well the team performed. But... As you say, we waited 30 years for that. I remember watching the games on TV where you could hear the players talking and swearing and and everything, but we did it. You know, we broke that fucking curse and we we brought ourselves tied with Man U at 19 trophies apiece uh, for the title. I can never forget one of... my two favourite, if, if, if I'm being honest with you now, is Barcelona 4-0 in 
in May 2019. So I, again, don't know. Forgive me. Obviously, that was before we were even friends. But if you you, you remember that match, three 0 down from the first leg, no Mo, no Firmino, no hope that we had the chance. Um, Divock Origi goes down as a legend for his two goals. Trent with the 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 quickness of think thought to get that that that. That early corner in to get that winning goal, but to win four nil and encapsulate the fact that everybody, but everybody thought we were down and out and without a chance, will always live in my mind. Winning the Champions League, you can't forget, but it was a terrible game, so I'm, I'm going to slightly skip over that. And the final one for me, which I can't forget, just because it is the scum and everybody knows of my hatred, was the 7-1 last season. How can you not, as a Liverpool fan, revel in the fact of beating your biggest rivals 7-1 and humbling them in a way that they probably haven't been humbled in years? But I could go on. I don't want to, as I say, I'm... Genuinely getting emotional thinking about it and the more that it goes on. But they're the ones for me. And if, if I had to choose one, it would be the 4-0 against Barca. That, that's the one that will forever live in my mind of the greatest moment that of Klopp's reign. Final question for you before we come on to what's next for Liverpool. And don't take offence to this. Just hear me out. Be careful of what you say here. I'm in an emotional Did... mood. Be careful. <laughs> Did Jurgen Klopp ultimately succeed with Liverpool? Because yes, just 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 hear me out. Just hear me out. Premier League title, yes. One under pandemic conditions, very sterile, not a normal season. Can't ever take away that achievement, but people will try. One Champions League, one in as you say, a very substandard final. It courtesy of a questionable penalty. Can't take away, but there are arguments there. One FA Cup and one League Cup, each one on penalties after nil-nil draws against Chelsea. And more importantly, and this is the biggest thing that I'm putting to you here, the wider landscape of football that Liverpool have strove so ardently to try and change and disrupt since Jurgen Klopp was put in place remains largely the same. Manchester City have won five of the six last titles. Chelsea, despite all their woes and looking like a pretty poor team these days, can still easily outbid them for the best players. Doesn't always work, as we saw with Lavia and uh, Casillo last night, but they are still able to do it. And now the Saudi money is back to unbalancing the playing field, as you know we, we saw with the Chinese League. So has anything changed in the period between 2015 14, whatever it was when uh, 2015, sorry, when Jurgen Klopp took over and 2014 when he leaves? Or has it just been a bit of a flash in the pan in the grand scheme of things and everything remains the same? Well, not to move off on a tangent, but the one thing I would say that couldn't have been more apparent for the start of the season is thank fuck we didn't spend 115 million on Calcedo because that motherfucker is dog shit. And how we got away with that is, is uh, that, that's a different story. I would go back to Jurgen Klopp is the only Liverpool manager to have won the Premier League 
European Cup, Stroke Champions League, FA Cup and League Cup. If, and this is a massive if, because we don't know, and it's very, very unlikely, but I have seen it rumoured, we know Everton got a 10-point deduction for three, correct me, two or three breaches of FFP. Um, Man City charged with over 100. If, and I don't expect this to happen, but if the Premier League went all out and were like, do you know what, right, all of that combined, we're taking those titles off you, three of those titles would go to Liverpool. So he would end up with four titles out of nine and potentially a fifth this season out of nine. So, yes, he's absolutely been a success, but I can agree with you to some extent on where you're coming from. But a lot... I'd, I'd be fascinated. I'm still fascinated, and we've talked about this on the podcast. And it's 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 not a talk for now. Dedicating this to to Jurgen about what happens to Man City. But if they were to be stripped of those titles, give Liverpool. I think what two seasons they lost out by one point, and one season they lost out by three points. So that's how close we ran a team that had that financial level of backing. And if you suddenly say, from what you're saying, which I don't disagree with, purely on numbers and trophies alone, that Jurgen has four, potentially this season, five trophies out of nine, that absolutely changes the whole scene. And perhaps he's the greatest manager ever in the Premier League at that point. Don't see that happening, by the way. And I, but I'm, I'm just throwing it out there uh, as, a, as an, a, a point to discuss. But yes, of course, he's been a success. And I think that you've been on the crack pipe if you're trying to try and, or, or just trying to fucking wind me up when I'm fucking emotional to say that he isn't. I didn't say he hadn't succeeded. It was just purely winding you up just because I could see this and how much that's affecting you. Uh, most importantly for Liverpool then, there is obviously a future and time moves on past Jurgen Klopp. What's next? We are, I think both unanimous in what we expect Liverpool to do and who we expect them to go after. It's got to be Xavi Alonso, almost certainly. Is there a world where it isn't Xavi Alonso? And if it is someone else, is there anyone, let's say you couldn't get Xavi Alonso, is there anyone else that you would think, yeah, he'll have to do, he's a a good replacement for, as we say, your greatest manager of all time? I, I, I don't... I don't. I, don't, I can't envisage, envisage a world where it's not Xavi Alonso. He, he he knows the club. He he you know he has a love for the club. He undoubtedly will manage. Maybe not Bayern, but certainly um, Real Madrid at some point. But Carlo Ancelotti signed a three-year deal. This gives him the perfect opportunity to give him a springboard particularly if he comes first or second in the Bundesliga. He doesn't have the greatest track record, admittedly. You know, he's only managed Leverkusen for a season and a half, but it has to be him. I I, I personally don't see anyone else that I would want from a manager than him. 
the thing that would concern me about Xabi Alonso is his style of football is absolutely completely different from Jurgen Klopp. So he tends to play not quite a standard 3-5-2, but he plays three at the back. He has two very, very good attacking fullbacks in terms of Fringpong and Grimaldo, which you could argue we have in Trent and Robertson. And then a two in midfield, one behind a 10 and two strikers. And our forward line, Nunes is a nine. You could possibly play Jota there. Where does Mo fit into that? Where does Diaz fit into that? So the only concern I have about Xavi Alonso is how he translates what he plays in his formation into the players that we've got. Deserby is the second favourite. I mean, Xavi Alonso is five to four as the favourite. Looking at the odds, I've got the odds up in front of me. Deserby is next favourite and he's eight to one. So that tells you the difference in, in market. And I think it would be fair to say we, we talked highly about him. I don't think our opinions have, have ultimately changed, but Brighton have suddenly hit a real fucking lull and getting dicked 4-0 by Luton at right at the point when someone might be talking about you getting a new job has done him no favours whatsoever. So I would not want Deserby, if I'm perfectly honest. We've got third on the list is Amarim, who we, we, we both agree is a fantastic young manager. Now, you talked about this, and I've got to be honest, I haven't done my research here. Has he not gone to Saudi? Because he was at Sporting. Has he not gone to Saudi or is he still at Sporting? I should know that. I should know that off my heart. Um, I think... Because I think you said how disappointed you were that he'd gone to Saudi. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it was one of these that was rumoured to be happening. I don't think he has gone officially yet. I think he's still right, at okay. Sporting. So if, if I had to have a young manager and it wasn't Alonso, Amarim would be my next choice. There's You've got Nagelsmann at 14 to 1. No, not interested. German, German all right, Klopp's German, but did not succeed at Munich. Don't want that. Emery, done a, certainly done a good job with his um, reputation at Villa. Don't want him. Don't think he suits us. Zidane, get fucked. Not a fucking chance. The only other one that is really interesting for me, particularly given with what he's doing on a shoestring budget and how well he's doing, is Michel Sanchez, who is the current Girona manager. And... If you look at the table, which is quite surprising and almost unbelievable, um, when I looked at it the other day, I was like, is, is, is that right? Can can that possibly be true? But um, in the Liga, Girona are currently top by a point. Now, Real Madrid have a game in hand and play today. You then have Atletico Madrid eight points behind and Barca eight points behind on the same games in hand. So... He is clearly a man that is doing a very good job. Does that mean he is good enough to take on that role and step up from Girona to Liverpool? No. So for me, I have to be honest, it's all eggs in one basket and it's Alonso or bust for me. 
just to, I, I'm going to say call you up, and it's not intention to call you up, and I'm not trying to catch you out, but just because you said there the step up from Girona to Liverpool is too big, and essentially implying that Michelle's experience at this stage isn't sufficient enough to take on a job like Liverpool, which I agree with, I fully agree with. What makes Xavi Alonso, despite his similar experience and despite Leverkusen, and apologies to any Leverkusen fans, listen to this, also not being a, a huge club. They're bigger than Getafe, but they're not at the level of, you know, your Atletico Madrid of your Borussia Dortmund, in my opinion. Is it simply just because he used to play for you that you feel there's there an affiliation and he's yes. ready for that step up? If, if I'm being honest, yeah, yeah, to- totally. Perfectly fair question. But yeah, he knows the club. He's He's been around the club. He, he played for us for five years. Absolute superb player for that period of time, but that's a absolutely perfectly legitimate question, and based on experience alone, completely fair comparison and question to ask. But I feel like he knows the club; he's coming in to know to know what he deals with. All right, you know, there's going to be the dinner lady, the fucking kit man. They're probably still the same, you know that that those type of people stay the same, but. It's the affiliation with the club. And for me, I know Klopp didn't have one uh, at the time, but that makes a big difference in a lot of cases. And Gerard, for example, Gerard was clearly being groomed at Rangers to be Liverpool, to be Klopp's successor. He went to Villa. If he had done really well for Villa, let's say he'd done as well as Emery had had for Villa, I don't think there would be any question whatsoever he would be next. He absolutely flopped and choked when the ma- it mattered. If they offered it to Gerard now, I'd be concerned that we'd be going into Ferguson Moyes territory and backwards. So you're quite right to call me out on it. And there is no reason other than his affiliation with the club. But you've also got to look at... I, I, I don't profess to know that much about Sanchez, about what he did from his previous clubs to take to Joe Girona where he did. But what I look at, Alonso took over last season. Leverkusen was 17th and he took them into the Europa League. Now they're fighting for the title. Based on a shoestring budget, I'm sure if he came over, he would bring a couple of players with him. I, I would very, very strongly suspect Boniface would be one of them, which would be a terrific signing for us because I really, really rate him and we need an out-and-out number nine. We obviously, slightly off topic, but the joke of Nunes last night, first player ever in Premier League history to hit the woodwork four times. He's hit the woodwork 13 times this season and if he'd scored half of those goals, he'd be top scorer. And I sent you that that meme I got through today, which is a guy basically at the gallows at a shooting range where a guy says, any last words? And he says, let Darwin Nunes take the shot. So that, that tells you. But Liverpool, he still caused mayhem last night. He got an assist. He caused problems. 11 shots, didn't score, admittedly, but hit the woodwork four times. He will come good. And I'm telling you, at one point, there will be a point in the next couple of years, I'm making you eat your words on this podcast where you're saying that guy's a clown. And I'm saying 
this motherfucker is a world-class striker. We'll see. I won't hold my breath on that one. I won't hold my breath on that one. I mean, th- these final four months of Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool still significantly matter. Of course, there'll be months of feverish distraction and, and disinformation as both Klopp's replacement and his own next steps are dissected and inspected inside out. We'll see a four-month-long farewell tour. We'll see sad montages. We'll see multiple cherished memories be posted. But most importantly for all involved, Liverpool currently still sit at the top of the Premier League and there is one last final title fight against an inconsistent Arsenal side and a resurgent City who have been embellished by a returning Kevin De Bruyne and Erling Haaland who are relentlessly chasing them down. Not all footballing stories have happy endings and in fact, most of which have theirs taken away. But for Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool, their fairy tale parting remains within their own destiny. Thanks very much for listening. And as always, we'll speak to you soon.